and welcome to Batonage, a new podcast of stirring and we hope stimulating discussions about wine. I'm Fiona Beckett. And I'm Liam Stevenson. And we both like talking about wine. This week we're at the Padstow Christmas Festival, which is an amazing uh, annual occasion I've not been to before. And um, Liam, I don't think you you either. No, I've not been here before. Not not to the festival anyway. So, but where have you been? Where have I been? I've been in um, Amsterdam this week at a bulk wine conference. That sounds exciting. Well, it's not exciting, but it is exciting. I mean, it's 60% of the UK trade now comes in bulk and then gets bottled here, so either for a supermarket-owned label or the big brands, and uh, it was quite interesting to see it um, and also see, I guess, when you taste wine away from the, the label, away from the brand, away from the story, you kind of taste the intrinsic product. So, yeah, it was good. Very good. Mm-hmm. Good. I've been to Chile, which uh, was an amazing experience. Hadn't been for about four years. Uh, wine industry is changing massively. And I went to a wine and graffiti festival in Valparaiso. So you. Yeah. I was like, so me. <laughs> so Bristol. Yeah, absolutely. Was it good? Yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, and the sunshine for a whole week, which was uh, very good at this time of year. Very nice. Anyway, we're not here to talk about Chile. We're here to talk about Christmas. Um, and we've got two guests who are also at the festival with us. Um, we've got Charlie Stein who is the wine buyer for the Wickstein Group. Welcome, Charlie. Thank you, Fiona. And um, Ellie Owen, who is the sommelier for uh, 15 Cornwall, with whom I did a wine and lobster tasting yesterday, (laughs) which was fantastic. (laughs) We also have David uh, alongside, who is our technical whiz um, and uh, is running the wine theatre at the festival, uh, which has been a lot of fun. Good morning, everyone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's an extraordinary festival, um, and the wine theatre's... It's its inaugural year this year. Um, Response has been quite exciting. I think quite keen. I think you can say quite keen. (laughs) Anyway, Christmas. How do we handle Christmas? I think we ought to have a drink to start this off. Um, So, David, what have have you brought along? I'm assuming we should start with this. I think we should. So, So I've brought along some uh, Bilkar salmon, Brut Reserve. Um, I think it's favourite non-vintage for more than one person at this table. Definitely. Yeah. Um, And so is this the way... Like, let's, general question, is this the way to start off Christmas Day? Bottle of, uh, or glass of fizz? Yeah, is that, is that, I, is that what, what you do? Or, uh, absolutely, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely in my household. Yeah, for me, God, you, you, there was someone in my household who would start Christmas Day with a whiskey. And I, I find that a bit extreme. Um, <laughs> I quite I, like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not very me. Um, uh, it bubbles. Uh, so, yeah, non-vintage champagne. Blonde de Blonde is very nice. Mm. Um, could be Blanc de Blanc from the New World, even. Uh, what sort of time? What time of the day are we allowed to do this? We're talking uh, like 10 ish. I yeah, am yeah. going to. Oh, gosh. 10-ish. Yeah. I, you know. I wouldn't get going on until about sort of 11 30, 12 on oh. the booth. Ooh. No, no, we're, we're Christmas about 10. Day, I think yeah. we're about 10. Christmas Day, anything goes, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Do you think? I'm, I'm about 11 o'clock, yeah. I think. <laughs> well, I've been up since about 5 with the kids, so um, my, my 10 o'clock is You're about 6. Yeah, that's not Exactly the same. <laughs> and then you need it. Yeah. <laughs> so does the Christmas fizz, does it need to be champagne? Or is it, you know, should it be anything you like? Um, yeah. what, what, what would you choose? Should it be English sparkling wine? I, mean, I think it could be English sparkling wine, of course. But um, for me, it does sort of need to be champagne. I mean, we can talk about it more as we go on. But, I mean, this is a day of treating yourself, isn't it? I think it's a day where you pull out the bottles you've been looking forward to all year. Uh, and... It, 
nothing really causes celebration or takes celebration quite like champagne in my book. Can I just say the noise as we've been pouring? It's just that it's Christmas. It's, yeah, I can hear the, yeah. the bubbles dissipating and the, that sort of like you're on the shore of the sea. It's just, and where is the smoked salmon? That's yeah. what, that's what, yeah, what that's we need. I think it's on its way. Yeah. I think it, it, it does have to be champagne. You get such good deals in the supermarket around Christmas as well. Yeah. So it's not, it's not, everyone can afford, you know, a decent bottle of champagne, I think. And it really, Christmas isn't Christmas without champagne, in, in my opinion. It's odd. I've always thought it's odd that um, there must be the highest demand for champagne at Christmas time. And yet the prices drop. It must be the only product where the prices drop in line with rising <laughs> demand. Yeah, absolutely. And it is worth, I think, buying um, a bit extra when, when prices are good, um, particularly half bottles, which I love. I think half bottles are one of the best presents to give to people, you know, like, mm, you know, just a, like a little collection of half bottles for, for, for a friend. I mean, that is a really nice thing to take someone who, I, who's hosting you. I used to sell really wine to nice. this lady in Sorkham, and she had uh, six bottles of half bottles of champagne every week. And once I said to her, what do you do with all these half bottles of champagne? And she said... Oh, darling, if you haven't got a reason to celebrate every day with champagne, then really life isn't worth living. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> very, very sulky. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Charlie, tell us about tell us about your Christmas day. You know how how you handle it with 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 wine and. Um... Well, I mean, Christmas for for the Stein household really starts Christmas Eve. Um, okay. There's a real tradition in, in our in our household for um, we do longestines to start with, with mayonnaise, so steam longestines. Uh, and then we do turbot, so lion caught turbot with um, uh, hollandaise. Mm. Uh, so that is wow. every year tradition. If it's dad's doing it uh, one year or mum's doing it the other, or Jack's cooking, it's always, always turbot. So uh, it really starts with burgundy. And that's, that's the one wine that I will have to, <laughs> I have, to have on, uh, on Christmas Eve. And then um, normally good value, so Mercury or Sambaran, uh, and it's got to be from, from Magnums as well, just because there's quite a few of us. So it starts on Christmas Eve, uh, and then Christmas Day really does, yeah, champagne to start, 11 o'clock. Mm. Um, and then anything goes for me uh, in terms of what, I, what I'll have uh, wine-wise with. Uh, it's traditionally turkey, uh, sorry, goose that we have every year. Um, so uh, I've got a wine later that we'll try that I'm going to have this year, which is um, not traditional, I don't think, mm. in terms of w- w- what you would pair with goose, but... Um, I love it. Yeah. And, and your dad, who, you know, just in case um, someone might not have made the connection, is, is Rick Stein. It, absolutely. But he, he's a, a wine fan too, isn't he? He's a huge wine fan, yeah. Mm. He's, um, he's one of those chefs that really understands wine, has a passion for it, and he's one of his old friends, the late Bill Baker, was an incredible, incredible uh, human being and a uh, bon vieur, and he taught my dad a huge amount about wine, took him all over France on, on wine-buying trips, uh, and it was that sort of, it was those two in my sort of formative years of my childhood and growing up that really got me into wine because they were so, they just had so much fun with it. They'd have big parties and I'd wake up in the morning and go downstairs and you'd, you know, you'd smell the, the, the dregs of these nice burgundies and be like, wow, these guys are having fun. And Bill was such a character that it just, yeah, it washed off for me. And I just, you know, very sadly that he, he passed away um, a few years ago, but yeah, it was him really that got my dad massively into wine um, and obviously me as a... And so white, white burgundy is quite a thing in your household? Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, with the, the style of food that Dad's cooked and the restaurants have and what we, what we at home, it really is suited to white burgundy. Uh, and if you were going to put a gun to my head, that's where my heart really lies. It's, it's burgundy, but in particular white burgundy. I'm just, I'm a nut for it. 
So what's good value in terms of white burgundy? So people, people may be, oh, white burgundy, that sounds expensive. You know, I don't know if I can afford... So what would be a kind of good value buy for white burgundy? I think the Maconnet's got some fantastic wines in. Mm. So um, Village Maconnet, Macon, or, you know, Saint-Varain-Pichusse, you get some mm. really good stuff. Um, so the south of them? The south, yeah. So yeah. south, you know, once you're in the Côte d'Or, Côte de Bonne, um things start to get a little bit more expensive. But, it, you know, it's Saint-Varain and Saint-Romain do some really good good value appellations in Burgundy. But we will, we'll, you know, we're not, we're not too flashy uh, for Christmas. So we'll have Saint-Varain or Mercury in the Coach Alanais. Mm. Um, and to find the right producer in a good vintage um, and you can get, you know, good value in terms of what, what Burgundy can be. Yes, good value. Sort of. Liam, well, on, on Burgundy, what's, what, are we, what are your sort of tips for, you know... Well, I'm exactly the same with you. If I had to, if there was a desert island, I'd drink more white burgundy than anything else. I absolutely love white burgundy. I feel, I mean, I love burgundy full stop, but I feel I get more delight more frequently out of white burgundy than anything else. I'm on that island with you. (laughs) (laughs) Magnums, Jeroboam's. I think exactly the same, obviously value of the Macon. um, But I think it's a place for looking out for the growers and often not going for their top wines, but going for lesser wines from really good growers. Such as? Uh, Well, I mean... uh, I think if I give you names, it could be a bit complicated to go shopping for, but I think some of the better producers make out. Mm. You know, if you found Mio Camazé's Aligotti, it'd be a great bottle mm-hmm. of wine, sure. even if we can't afford his, um, you know, Merceau, whatever mm. it might be. Um, but I think, and also the places which you don't recognise, I think Santa Bana is a really good option. Santa Bana is really one of my favourites. Mm. Yeah. Places like Pernon Vergiles, absolutely mm. outstanding, you know, pretty mm. much caught on Charlemagne and, you know, mm. everything but the name. Mm. Um, so I think if you dig a bit, but it's a place to go to the wine merchant for, isn't it, really? Find someone independent, get some advice. Uh, and there's just outstanding wine there. And there's a kind of beauty and balance in white burgundy that I don't think anywhere else really quite gets to. Ooh, controversial. I do think there's a lot of amazing uh, New World Chardonnay now. You know, even from like, Australia, everyone's on oh, Australian Chardonnay, but I do think, you know, there's some really fantastic, cool climate Chardonnay from yeah. places like Mornington Peninsula, which yeah, are stunning, yeah. really stunning. Anyway, um, but back to champagne, David. Don't you yes, like, yes. Um, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about this, because it is very delicious. Mm. It is very delicious. Um, so, uh, Bill Salmon, um, they are they're, they're quite a big bunch, but with quite a, quite a soft voice, quite a gentle voice. So, uh, you can't buy this in the supermarket, alas. Mm. Um, but you can buy it in all sorts of fine wine merchants. Um, and people should, actually, give at least some of that yeah. custom to, to think, wine merchants. I think it's nice, yeah. yeah. You're, you're talking about white burgundy and, and how that tastes. You know, Ellie, you and I were talking yesterday about mm-hmm. um, how uh, when you're trying to choose wine, choosing it with the benefit of the knowledge of someone else who's actually tried it. You know, lots yeah, of people definitely. are selling wine and, you know, they're selling it... Uh, just because it's called a thing or has a name. Um, yeah. But until you've tried that specific bottle from that specific vintage, from that specific producer, you really don't know exactly how much pleasure you're going to get from mm. it. Um, and that's what the independent does mm. for you. you know, so that's, that's crucial. I think Champagne is probably the only place, well, not the only place, but it's where the brand is very important, mm. uh, perhaps more than other. I mean, I think if you looked in other sectors of the wine trade, the biggest brand is probably still less than half a percent of its sector, whereas Champagne brands are quite powerful. Yeah, and I don't exactly. actually mind that, because I feel like there's something in 
the enjoying the brand at times as well. I mean, you could pick apart any champagne and say, well, in a blind tasting than an own label from a supermarket could beat it blind. But that doesn't mean it's going to be more enjoyable than having a really lovely bottle of Bollinger or Vico, yeah. whatever. Yeah. There's something in the branding which is totally. wonderful, isn't it? Um, I went on the Cham- like Champagne Academy this year, so yeah. it's, it was all about the brands. Um, and what was interesting is, yeah, where those brands are pitched. So one of the biggest ones is Moet. Yeah. However, Moet style is a generic style so that most people could pick up a bottle and it's going to be approachable. And that's their kind of like sales point. The fact is, is you're going to drink it. And for most people that don't know that much about champagne are going to drink it and they're going to find it absolutely acceptable at that price. Um, and so it's interesting how the, the different brands kind of try and branch out in kind of more interesting and kind of diverse things. Yeah, but they make you feel good about yourself when you drink them. Yeah, you know, it's still a brand that people feel dependable. It might not be fra or, or whatever, but um, it is interesting how the brands kind of work themselves yeah. in terms of approachability and, yeah. And Bill Carr seems to be a bit of a wine trade favourite, doesn't it? I, <laughs> I think yeah. it definitely it is. is. Yes. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like, yeah. um, you, know, it's wine, um, you know, wine trade favourite, I think. Um, but... I think over Christmas, particularly, you know, there is something to be said for sharing bottles where everybody who is not as obsessively into wine as we are knows that they're getting something special. So hence the um, popularity, I think, of something like Chateau Neuf du Pape, you know, because A, it goes really well with with turkey. And secondly, if you put a bottle of Chateau Neuf du Pape on the table, um, people think, ooh. You know, that's, they know that's special. And so they know that you're treating them. And I think that's important over Christmas. So Christmas Eve, Ellie, you've just finished three of the busiest weeks in your life in yeah. a restaurant. Are you just absolutely shattered? I mean, so, is there time for enjoyment? Yeah, because we were sort of saying hey, it's, um, it's interesting because obviously I work like front house. So I'm, yeah. you know, luckily I get Christmas Eve and Christmas Day off. So I've got sort of four days over. But it is squadged in, you know, when you've got, uh, you know, the family, the presents, the service, everything. It's, yeah, it's pretty hectic and full on. So it's, um, yeah, you kind of take a breath and kind of just, <laughs> and I love it. Christmas is one of my favourite times of year. I love the, 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 the magnitude of getting everyone together. I just, the feasting. Mine's already started. I've already been feasting on my days off <laughs> with cheese and all sorts of stuff. But, um, it, yeah, it is kind of a bit of a squat. And then, obviously, New Year's and everything, it's back. Are you a port girl with cheese? Well, yeah, I am a port girl with cheese, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am pretty much in any wine with cheese. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do uh, white burgundy with cheese. White burgundy with Conte. Just... Mm-hmm breathtaking mm. yeah. but what you're just saying I'm, I'm with you on that so for me I've grown up in the wine trade father's a wine merchant you know often in retail completely flat out till you know four or five o'clock on Christmas yeah. Eve and then it stops and there's something about closing the front door and locking in the family and yeah. you're locked in for 24 hours 30, it's just fantastic isn't yeah. it I love that until you're all really bored of each other and then you open the door <laughs> and go out again <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's interesting so Charlie um, yeah, thank you yeah Tell us, tell us what you've brought. So everyone has brought along um, a bottle. And uh, Charlie, what have, what have you brought? Well, so obviously Christmas Eve is white burgundy and then Christmas Day is uh, I'm in charge of the wine uh, and I basically pick a wine throughout the year that I think has taste, tasted amazing. Um, and I'm very privileged I get to travel quite a lot. I've recently been to South Africa. Uh, I did 30 producers in a week, which was unbelievable. It's probably wow. the most exciting wine country in the world. Uh, and one of the best I tried uh, was Lucas van Longenberg uh, and his camaraderie. Uh, and Lucas has been making wine for two years, so 2016 was his first vintage. Um, and he broke his leg in 2016, um, 
went in the middle of, of the vintage. Um, so camaraderie is a sort of nod to the help from his friends that came and helped him uh, vinify his wine and also a nod to food and wine pairing. Uh, and I was very lucky to meet Lucas. He's an amazing guy um, and we tasted, um, we tasted through his wines a month ago. Um, so this is Chenin Blanc uh, and it's made from old vines uh, in Pau. Uh, and the vines are from the 1960s. Uh, and the farmer who tends the vines is 82. Um, and Lucas is one of these sort of new generation of winemakers. So you had the Svartlander Revolution uh, and now there's a new generation. So these are guys that don't own their own farms, but they buy, they buy grapes in from farmers. Um, and this is, he's one of the rising stars in South Africa. You read about him, everyone's tasted him, all, all the journalists. And um, on Christmas Day, I want to drink the best. I think um, yeah. the people that are around my table, are, are, are all my family are into wine, into food. Um, and I want to tell a story as well. And it's, it's quite nice for a little soundbite. Everyone's like, Charlie, what have you got? Um, and then I say, well, I found this in South Africa. Lucas is a really lovely bloke. Um, and when we did the tasting with him, the South Africans are, are religious about their bride, so their barbecue. Um, and him and his friend, uh, Rene, they didn't quite do the bride particularly well. Um, so they put fresh vine, um, vine trimmings on instead of dried ones, so they couldn't get the bride going. So there's four or five Englishmen there sort of sniggering at them, um, which, which is... You know, it's horrible for for him. He had to cook. Uh, he had to cook his raw sausages inside on, on in the kitchen, um, which to them, equivalent to us, would be overcooking roast beef. Um, so if I can tell that story to my family, they'll think it's hilarious and <laughs> and just get to try an amazing wine. And Chenin Blanc um, is just fantastic. An old vine Chenin Blanc, really, really textural, really amazing. He's an amazing winemaker, and it it should go. It should go with turkey or, or goose. It though. is a beautiful wine. Yes, I, mean, I think that's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, amazing richness and acidity and actually totally in your white burgundy mode really <laughs> absolutely yeah. yeah i sometimes wish this were telly because as you've been relating your tale we've all been swirling and sniffing and grinning very yeah. broadly it's it's, 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 it's wine. unbelievable and i'm i'm a, such a big advocate of south african wine it's it's now my sort of my passion i want to talk about it and this guy is is right at the top and he'll go really far um I remember going a few years ago and being on the plane on the way back and thinking if someone said to me, where could you go tomorrow? I'd have just gone straight back. I think it's, it's such a beautiful country. And, you know, what you say is I have the same feeling as that although it's got a reputation for a lot of bulk wine and I think it's got one of the lowest average prices in the world for wine, which is um, a shame, it's got so much boutique brilliance going on as well. And that kind of ability they seem to have done to allow <clears throat> winemakers and external winemakers to work within the cellar and make small boutique things within a bigger winery, yeah, share yeah. it and just have a go, do two barrels, do six barrels, do something extraordinary. They, they are... It's just made it fantastic. Camaraderie is totally the, the right word. They yeah. all... When I went out there, we, we went to Fawn and Daughters at John Second, and he brought everyone in to have a curry to taste wines with a few, uh, few of the English wine trade. They just want to help each other out. They want to make wines in the, uh, under one winery. There are three of them working in one winery, and they're just very progressive in, in how they approach winemaking and, um, and promoting South Africa. It's, it's a breath of fresh air when you go to other regions and they're more established and traditional. Um, yeah, I absolutely love them. And have we worked out what makes a good Chenin Blanc? Because it's a funny grape, isn't it? I think in Loire they've, they've figured it out really well, but yeah. they're very different styles. I tried some old Vouvray the other day with, um, with Richie Kelly, um, and the stylistic difference between the Loire and South Africa is so marked... Um, but I love both different styles. Yeah. Um, I think they're still finding their feet with Chenin Blanc. I think in South Africa, Chenin Blanc can 
go to other levels, I think. I think it's one of the world's greatest, great there may be, I think it's to do with low cropping, isn't it? Low yields makes a big difference, which is almost natural in the Loire. Maybe in South Africa they pushed it a bit, but low yields. And, and in this, I guess, some barrel work, right? So it's, Yeah, there's mm-hmm. certainly some barrel work there. Yeah. Ellie, um, mm-hmm. what, would you, what would you eat with this? Oh... I mean, I think it's kind of easy to say maybe kind of something like chicken, but I think maybe kind of fatty pork, like fatty pork bellies, pork something like that. Amazing, yeah, because yeah. it's yeah. got enough acidity to kind of cut through, but you've got that really lovely creaminess to it. Um, yeah, it's really delicious. I'm thinking I'm about, um, you know, the, I mean, I quite like a fish pie somewhere over mm. the Christmas holiday. Um, it would probably be my Christmas Eve thing. Yeah. Um, or, you know, like about two days after Christmas where you're already kind of, you know, going turkey crazy. Um, a fish pie is really nice. I'd love that with a, with yeah. a fish pie, I think. Mm-hmm. It's funny how we're repetitive. Obviously, we have skate wings on Christmas Eve. We've always had it. Love skate. With capers. Mm-hmm. And I always yeah. thought that was what everyone had on Christmas Eve. No. Yeah, so, um, Liam, what have you brought? I've bought Fleury. Okay. So this is a rather dependable option. Um... But I feel that Christmas, both lunch and potentially the cold meats the next day, there's a a degree of dryness often in some of the meals. Mm -hmm. I also think you often need a wine which is quite easy to drink, quite flowing, quite um, democratic, conversational, you know, Mm -hmm. almost just flows. Mm -hmm. Doesn't, isn't so much as sort of, you know, half a glass, taste it, talk about the wine. It's very kind of a sociable, pouring wine. And I think Beaujolais does that extremely well. Um, Obviously, Beaujolais has got a bit of a mixed reputation after you know, years of making average wine too. But um, I think when it's done well, it can be extraordinarily easy to drink and very, very friendly with that sort of food. So I'm, I mean, if I'm honest, on Christmas Day, we're probably more in the Pinot camp in our house. But once we get into Boxing Day, when there's a lot of cold meat and you're sitting around and the TV's going at the same time and there's cheese and meat and, you know, cold vegetables on the, on the table. And squeak. All those oh. things. Yeah. Then I think there's something about a juicy, fruit, fruity fleury which works, um, which works really well. It's a well. very good uh, kind of extended family wine as well, isn't it? Yeah, you know it's it's um, it's a it's a very pleasing drink yeah. for the for the the person that isn't into single vineyard Pinot Noir. From... And the other thing we were saying about um, I thought it was interesting about the Magnum. So we're at the restaurant we have it. Um, it's still quite hard to sell. We'll still sell two bottles or something as opposed to sort of encouraging them if there's a larger table to kind of go for the Magnum. Um, but the Magnum obviously is quite a nice thing for stuff like that because if you know you're going to be with loads of family and you take a Magnum, especially if it's something that's quite approachable and easy drinking, you've still got that kind of wow factor of bringing something that's of the larger kind of format, um, but also that's going <laughs> to last a bit longer. Yeah. So it's going to go around a little bit more. Absolutely. So I don't really, <clears throat> sometimes I don't really understand why people are so scared of getting it. Do you think it's because it's like an obvious amount to drink? So it kind of people think, oh, no, we're definitely not going to drink that much. I think mean, it's partly storage space. I mean, if your fridge is already rammed full of, of food, mm. which it tends to be, you know, and, and, and the, the, fr- the backs and the door yeah. aren't big enough for a, for a, a Magnum, it's, it's, it's kind of how do you get it cold? Yeah, true. Mm. So but that's kind of like quite um, uh, an issue anyway. Yeah. I mean, like if... if so um, bucket... Water, ice. I, I put it outside. Yeah, yeah. Outside, yeah. Outside, yeah. Outside, yeah. outside in the yeah. garage. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So I think I think you need to use your cold spaces. Mm. Nice. This um, is a lovely yeah. temperature, Liam. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <Drew. laughs> Coincidentally, we're we're I don't know how this has happened, but we're uh, drinking this very same wine tomorrow lunchtime. Okay. In the festival tent with uh, Hake. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is super gorgeously um, juicy and cherry flavoured, isn't it? I mean, I think, at the moment I'm tasting this, I'm thinking, 
the, the, the you know, epic turkey sandwich with all the kind of bits from, from the previous day with cranberry sauce yeah. and things like that. That mm. would be mm. perfect. So quick Beaujolais story. Um, I used to buy the wine for Waitrose, as you know, and one of, one of the categories was Beaujolais. And we bought three Beaujolais from Georges de Boeuf, who is, of course, the kind of king of Beaujolais, or self-proclaimed king of Beaujolais. Um, and I went to see them. I had to go there at one, and I was supposed to be out the front door at half past two. I had one and a half hours there. So I rang them on the way and said, this is going to be quite quick, but I just want to taste the three wines. And they said, oh, you've got an hour and a half. It'll be fine. So I walked through the front door, and they took me into the tasting room, and there was 120 wines open for me to taste. And I said... What's this? It's impossible. I can't taste 120 wines. I've got an hour and a half. And they said, well, maybe you can make it two hours and then it'll be fine. And just as I was about to protest that I couldn't taste 200 wines in 120 wines in two hours, George de Berth came into the room and they said, George would like to taste with you. <coughs> Which if you know, well, you, we all know who he is. Um, he's an incredible man. I mean, this is a man that in the course of his lifetime, a bit like you could say Miguel Torres did in Spain or... George Fistovich maybe would have done in New Zealand, in the course of a lifetime, shaped an industry, really. So, incredible person. And I'm going to guess his age, but he's probably in his late 70s now. And um, so when you're, at that point, 35, you can't really say no to somebody who's about 75. So don't worry, we can do this easily in two hours. So we tasted 120 Beaujolais in... um, in just under two hours. And when wow. we got to the end... We were on the tasting to the max. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when we got to the end, we, were on, we got to the Morgon selection, which I've always liked Morgon as a region. I mean, this is Fleury, and I like the... Fleury's more granite soil, so it's brighter and redder, and Morgon's a bit heavier. And we got to the Morgon section, and I tasted them, and I said, I don't really like any of them. It's a shame, because I really like Morgon, but I'm a big fan of the producer, Marcel Lapierre. You know that producer? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Anyway, all the staff kind of had this deep... In breath, in breath, I said this about George, and he walked straight out the door. And I thought, oh, God, I've really upset him. Anyway, five minutes later, he walked back in the door with three bottles, old bottles of, of Marcel Lapierre's um, Morgan, and said, these are my favourite wines from Beaujolais too. Let's drink them together. Oh, so I had goodness. to stay another hour <laughs> and drink three more bottles of him. But it was incredible. So really how many in cool. one hour and then how many? So three in one hour. At about 120. <laughs> in the other one. <laughs> <laughs> because the scale's a little bit low. Yeah. But he's an incredible man. And I think, you know, although he's responsible for that Beaujolais Nouveau boom, which is also criticised for being part of the downfall of the region, maybe image-wise, uh, it's amazing how one person like that can shape a region, really. It's extraordinary. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, he's been incredibly influential. Mm. So, virtually, yeah, that should be on our list. Well, Absolutely. I mean, um, what else What else do we drink over on with the Christmas meal? Which, for how many of you, is it turkey? or You're saying goose? Um, always goose. Goose. Yeah. Anyone else turkey? Well, turkey, turkey. We have turkey. turkey. We have turkey. 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 I, 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 I try and push against the turkey, but we do have turkey. Yeah, I, yeah. My no, vote is I mean, elsewhere. I go to, I go yeah. to my sons yeah. and, and um, you know, uh, th- they cook turkey, but actually I cook it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, um, but, yeah, so we, we generally kind of fish. I've encouraged him to collect wine, so um, we generally fish something nice out of his little wine collection there. And, um, so actually, I kind of like don't buy anything new. Um, so what, you know, with your I find um, the, the style which has become quite popular, certainly widely available, is, um, and you, I think, showed one yesterday at the speed tasting, the, the Apassimento style oh, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or Repasso, those sorts mm-hmm. of slightly concentrated, spicy nice. things. They're just they're crowd-pleasing. There's a, there's a little bit of residual sugar very often, yeah. and there's a little bit of kind of Christmassy spice as well. And I think at Christmas, those, those are... 
He's a real crowd pleaser. Because we're not yeah. actually talking about the actual turkey meat, which is actually, you know, like chicken, kind of quite, uh, not bland, but I mean, it's quite, quite full flavour, but actually it's not the main influence on the dish. We're talking about all the other things, yeah. the sides, the stuffing, the cranberry sauce, They're all the quite gravy. Salty, aren't they, rich? You know, and so there's yeah. like a lot of rich flavours. So actually I think that kind of wine goes quite well. I mean, hence also Chateauneuf, which I was talking about. Yeah. And um, even Amarone, which actually normally I find just too, too overpowering, but actually kind of you know, it is something kind of quite gorgeous and lavish yeah. um, to mm. to serve on Christmas Day, and you know, people love it. Yeah, I mean, it's just a, a a very special bottle. So we were saying maybe like more with cheese. So you could kind of save your amaroni for I a think, little yeah, bit, like I after think actually, dinner, yeah. and then you yeah. kind of have it a bit later. Yeah, um, but yeah, there's, a, there's a difference also between glugging. So uh, the Beaujolais is a glugger, isn't it? Sure. It's yeah. just salted mm-hmm. cheese. It's really refreshing, lovely. You know, you've got a mouthful of heavy stuff, refreshing mm-hmm. things. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Amarone is more of a sipper, mm. would you say? Yeah, um, yes, it is a sipper. <laughs> 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 that wasn't the question. <laughs> <laughs> um, Charlie, what about, what about um, Goose? Favourite wines with Goose? Uh, well, Pinot for me. Mm, yeah. um, so we would have the, the Chenin Blanc to start, and then usually we're fairly traditional with Burgundy. But maybe mm. this year... Being South Africa, I might do a sort of Henoumard and Pinot Noir, maybe yeah. Crystal or something like that. Oh, that's yeah. so good. Um, but in, in years gone by, traditionally, it will be red burgundy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, I quite like um, German uh, spate-based Riesling. I was about to say oh, Riesling. Would be because really actually, goose is really fatty and often yeah. served with, with apple along the side. So actually, um, I mean, I, I would probably put two bottles on, on the table with, with goose. And actually, one of them would be um, a German, uh, sort of like off-dry German Riesling, probably. And the other would probably be Italian. I mean, I probably would go for something like Chianti because I quite like the acidity of yeah. that. Yeah. Nice. There's something visual about the Christmas table as well, isn't there? I mean, yeah. I don't know about your Christmas table, but ours, there's no space left. <laughs> yeah. And everything comes out. And there's mm. some decanters in the house, which mm. we've never used at any other time in our lives. Mm. But on Christmas Day, they do come out and we pour red wine in and they look great. Um, there's something very visual about the whole thing. So do you decant for, for the appearance or because the wine needs it? And when does the wine needs it? I think, if honest, in our house, it's mainly for appearance. It's yeah. just nice to do. I mean, we mm. don't do it normally, so why, mm. why suddenly mm. that day? Um, I guess there are... Sometimes we pull out a nice bottle of old Burgundy and it's, it's useful to pour it in. Sometimes we bring in a bottle of Bordeaux that could do with a bit of waking up So mm. for some, some of those reasons. But on the whole... I think it's just part of the ceremony of Christmas. Mm. It's nice to yeah, use those tools. I love having more than one wine open on a table. Yeah. I think there's, yeah. there's time at Christmas to taste different things, experience them. Not at a tasting where you're, you're mm. trying a 120 wines in two hours, but you've got, you know, you've got several, you could have two, three bottles mm. open. Yeah. And you, you've got time to try them all and try them together and try them with food. With that. You know, that, that's a lovely thing. I've not done the, the Riesling with, with Goose, but that's, that's certainly on my list. I think that's mm. a lovely idea. Yeah. There's a, there's a, a marvellous sort of side you can do, which um, is um, a mixture of kind of like mashed potato and apple puree, uh, kind of like, again, a German thing. And, um, you know, if, if, you, if you have that with the goose, it's fantastic. It's uh, with, with Riesling. It just that goes amazingly well. And Lovely. out of interest, are we all having lunch or are we having dinner? Late lunch. Late, yeah, late very lunch. late lunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> starving. <laughs> well, because nobody's getting up at four in the morning to put the turkey. Yeah, starving. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
yeah. So let's rinse. Should we have a little bit? No, I think well, if, if there are small kids around, um, then you know you have to have it during the day. I mean, like, you don't really want to have that because by the evening they are so overwhelmed and so fractious. Yeah, I mean, we nearly, we really try and all sit down together, but I think together, even just with my mum and us. With the children, I mean, it's like 13, 14 people. So you've got all of that. So you kind of got to, you just got to try and navigate everyone as best as possible. And if you can, all kind of fit round. It's just like absolute carnage and chaos, but it's fun. Yeah, obviously my children are all in their teens now. So uh, I guess lunch is fine because we can all sit around the table. And normally they're not too pressured about getting back to the presents. But uh, when they were younger, Christmas Eve was more of a deal because you wanted to have that adult meal, which was, and then the Christmas lunch was just... Well, brief. I'm loving this Christmas Eve. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna start it. I yeah. really, really think it's lovely. I think the uh, listening to you, Charlie, and everything about having that kind of tradition where you all get together, regardless, it's just as a family together, and you have these kind of set things, so you don't have to really change. It's just that's what you have, and it's a treat, and it's lovely. But it's the dialogue. Yeah, it's like we're together. We know we're together, and we've got these amazing things. Well, and... Yeah, well, we're a, we're a fish family, so we yeah. have to get fish in at some point. <laughs> exactly. So it's, if it can't be. <laughs> On, on Christmas Day, we have to do it on Christmas Eve. And yeah. Yeah, in fact, it's my favourite part of the Christmas oh, festive period is Christmas Eve because I just I just love fish and the family loves fish. But for, for us, Christmas Day, the, the lunch turns into a sort of five o'clock thing because we've probably had a few bottles of Magnums of White Burgundy yeah. on Christmas Eve and, uh, and Dad's quite a slow, messy chef. Um, we all pitch in. Um, <laughs> but it, it takes a while for him to sort of... He'll be delighted to hear. Yeah, he'll be delighted yeah. <laughs> to get his his uh, his mind into gear. But just on decanting, I think I love decanting wine just for the theatre of it, and yeah. it, especially over Christmas. Even if maybe the wine doesn't need decanting, I think when people see a decanter, immediately they're like, "Wow, okay, this this is special. This is something. This is the theatre of it, and we're in for a treat." I think it's sort of one of you just want to explain very briefly how to decant in case anyone's not done it. Anything to watch out for. Well, I think you decant for two reasons. You either decant to wake the wine up, i.e. add oxygen into it, in which case the more, the faster, more um, frothy you can pour into that decanter, probably the better. <laughs> I mean, I've been into, I've used saucepans frequently to um, wake a wine up, you know, pour wine into a saucepan and pour from one to the other. But presumably yeah, not, it's not a wine with deposit. And no. It's like that would go straight So into then the other reason is, is the wine's got deposit, yeah. which suddenly it becomes a much more careful thing. Now, yeah. I've never been one to do it over a candle with time. Mm-hmm. We've all got a phone with a torch on. Yeah. Just turn the torch upside down. You know, yeah. you've, you've all got it in your pocket. Is there an Apple decanter? Is there an app now? An Apple decanter. So turn it on. And, yeah, and I just use a jug. Yeah, it's, it's just yeah, jug. My, my, bro- my brother. Um, he's a chef, uh, and he reckons he's read this gastronomy book, um, and he reckons the best way to do it is in a thermomix. <laughs> and uh, the idea of putting my aged claret in a thermomix yeah, makes yeah. M- makes me want to cry. But he thinks it's hilarious. So he put a, an old hench key in the other day into his thermomix, and it wasn't it wasn't clean. And I was like, "What? You, you can't do that!" And he thinks he thinks it's hilarious because he scoffs at us sort of wine buffs being like, "Oh no, don't put the claret in there! Don't put the hench key in there!" But uh, he thinks, and it's been food scientists have said it does actually pull air through. But I, the idea of oh, it, well, do you know, my that's first like the extreme. <laughs> <laughs> my first ever job was at Majestic and I remember on Christ- the day maybe it was Christmas Eve we had we all thought well, let's have a great bottle of wine before we leave and we had a bottle of Cote, Cote Roti out, off the shelf and it was too cold and I remember we put it in the microwave Oof. and funnily enough for years it was the only time I'd ever had Cote Roti and I always thought it's a really good microwaved <laughs> <laughs> 
actually on that. So another big one in our family, my, my dad's married to Australia, is Mosswood. So we drink Mosswood quite a lot. Uh, and there was one Christmas where we had, it was sort of seven, eight o'clock, uh, and I said, Jack, get the Mosswood out of the garage. It was a bit, it was a bit too cold. Uh, and he opened the oven and there was residual heat. I was like, just put it in there for a couple of minutes. Just remember, stuck it in there. <laughs> time went, time went for it. And this was an old bottle from the 90s. Oh. And I was like, no, Jack, the, the Mosswood. I think we've like, all done that. We? <laughs> the radiator. Certainly yeah. put things in the freezer, which yeah. I've never forgotten about them. But anyway, the oven, yeah. So talking about freezing. Um, <laughs> yeah, nice. Oh, well, <laughs> I have an ice wine here. So this is my contribution. Um, I really love a sweet wine at Christmas. And I think it's um, if you're going to, to spend Christmas or meal around Christmas with somebody else, it's nice to take something. If they're keen on wine, there's a chance that they've probably lined up all their whites and reds. But a sweet wine usually goes down well. And this is a Canadian ice wine made from a grape called Vidal from a, um, a winery called Pilitary. Um, and um, amazingly, it is on sale in Lidl who um, actually uh, bring it in every year about this time. And now is a good time to buy dessert wines because the choice is much greater than at other times of year. Apparently, we don't buy dessert wine for the rest of the year. We buy it in the run-up to Christmas. So if you enjoy dessert wines, you know, load up while they're available. And um, so this is um, really super sweet. Really sweet, isn't Mm -hmm. it? Yeah. It's lovely there. I think it's so great that there's a wine like this that's sort of accessible. Because mm. um, normally at wines like this, we're going to be looking at something that's so expensive. That yeah, ice wine. For a risk of so most people that don't generally drink sweet wines, mm. and you're going to be paying quite a lot of money for it. I mean, that's the whole thing, isn't it? Wine's risky. Mm. You know, it's okay when you know a little bit, but for lots of our consumers and customers, mm. it's it's we've got to give that to them mm. or help them. Um, so something like this where you can pick it up for, how much did you say it was, Finn? So it's thirteen ninety nine, Which I think is like so accessible. Yeah. Um, and you can and take it that looks, risk. It looks beautiful, yeah. comes in a yeah. lovely box. Um, so a really nice wine to serve. Should be served really cold. We've got it, got it pretty cold. It could be do with being even colder. I wouldn't actually um, drink it with something rich like a Christmas pud or... Um, but then I don't have a massively sweet tooth, so I would probably... I would probably if you were doing something like a pavlova round about Christmas, mm. you know, or, yeah, it would be really nice for the pavlova. I've, I've gone blue cheese straight away. Or, yeah, or blue cheese. Like, salt yeah. and sweet. It can, go, it can definitely go with the yeah. blue cheese. Yeah. I mean, I have to say I haven't drunk much Canadian wine, full stop, and not a lot of Canadian ice wine either, but comparing it with German ice wine, which I've d- drunk more of, I suppose, is there's definitely a sort of richness and a concentration to this and a sweetness Whereas Germany, you get that lovely acid lime, which sort of mm. cleans it. You know, it hasn't got mm. that citrus twang, has it? No. It is different. Yes, it doesn't... Yeah, there isn't that sort of freshness, yeah. that acidity to it. But I don't think that's a de- to a detriment. No, I think it's... I think no, given, given that no. a lot of people have um, sweet tooth, I mean, when we were doing yeah. um, our speed tasting, <laughs> I did sherry, and the most popular sherry by a long chalk was the PX sherry, yeah. the sort of... Sweet, treacly, raisiny PX mm. sherry, you know, and it's like a lot of people's go like, "Oh, I don't think I drink sherry," and then you pour that for them, like, "Oh, yes, that's really good." Yeah. Well, PX is funny because I remember your father on the menu years ago had um, ice cream and PX, as of probably fifteen years ago. All of a sudden, I thought I could cook like Rick Starr. <laughs> <laughs> ice cream and PX. Yeah. There's nothing better than ice cream and PX. It's fantastic. I think that's a bit well. I've once done bad an bad Irish PX, coffee with, with with PX. And then floated cream on the top. Oh. That was 
Apparently, a friend told me that you can add um, a dash of PX to an espresso martini, Mm. and it's it really adds something. So I'm all about that. (laughs) We've got a whole day ahead of us. (laughs) I might try that later. (laughs) Okay, finally. Okay, Um, finally. Um, So uh, most people that know me know I'm a little bit crazy on Madeira, Um, but. and so now, one of the only wines that we've that I'm lucky enough to kind of made it part of our tradition, uh, other than Bucks Viz, <laughs> not to add that earlier, but um, is Madeira. Yeah. And um, this is kind of quite a premium Madeira, but we sell this at the restaurant, um, and it's Dioleveras. And these were imported by these people, these wonderful, lovely... I could have them for Christmas. They're delicious. Um, is that Jeff? Yeah. Yeah, what a oh, guy. So Has he still got a lovely yellow MG? Well, I told him the next time he's meant to deliver to me, Jeff, he's yeah. in your yellow MG, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was the icing on the cake. Yeah. Um, and not, so, not having drunk the Madeira first. Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, exactly like that. I was like, Jeff, yeah. Um, but I love Madeira. I love the versatility of it. Um, this is a more of an off-dry style. This is the Vadeo uh, 2000. And um, so it kind of sits in the different styles. It's not unctuously rich. Um, it's still got this beautiful kind of acidity to it. But it's just sort of... I mean, I really like the Cersei. I like the one that's really dry. Um, but for my customers, <laughs> I was like, if I go too lean, people, it's going to be totally out of context. And then we kind of hit that sort of sherry bracket where people just don't really sort of understand it. So I wanted to go for a style that was still kind of approachable, um, but still to my kind of like taste and I absolutely love it I think Madeira is so undervalued um, like I said this is quite premium so I don't know what it would be retail but I think it's quite expensive I think I'm out of watering should we, should we should yeah we... please do sorry I was like <laughs> has anybody been to Madeira no 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 I'd... I wouldn't like to go. I don't like flying, and I've heard the airport is um, is oh, difficult yeah. to fly out. It's, meant to be fun. <laughs> it's apparently one of the scariest airports in the world. Yes. Yeah, so. hmm. um, Are you flown to Wellington? Yes. So, sideways? <laughs> no, like up and down. <laughs> yeah. What a fantastic colour. Oh, it is and amazing. It, and so, is this, yeah. is this for you? Is um, at what point before or after a meal? Or um, I think actually, interestingly, with this kind of off dry, you could. Mm almost almost go aperitif but here it's it, i think it's definitely kind of after um you could almost maybe if you want it with christmas pudding i might go for something a little bit more uh sweeter so maybe not go for something like the video um and um even the kind of 10 15 five year age are really really great value so just because i've got this one and it's a noble variety and wow that's um, lovely that's really, really so incredible yeah, thank you so <laughs> And like I said, and these these guys are kind of like uh, I mean I really got into Madeira when I started learning about fortified and stuff. But yeah. God, they're just so good. I remember doing my MW and one of the, in the blind tasting. Frequently, you have Oloroso sherry and Madeira yeah. in the same, and they, and they can be confusing because yeah. they look the same, same, and mm. can smell similar. But the difference, the line that's different is always the acid. Mm. You get an acid line in um, Madeira, you don't get in sherry. And I, now I know now because I look for it. I really enjoy it. You know that kind of twang you get. That's almost a green grip to totally. Madeira, which is mm. fantastic. No matter it's what, racy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. it is, yeah, and yeah. it's got this like energy to it. it doesn't matter yeah. how old yeah. it has, it is. You it's just... really surprising because the the, uh, the color is it's it's like a sort of um, slightly dark amber, yeah. and you're expecting something quite unctuous and yeah. sweet, but you get such a lovely cut. Because mm. you have that kind of like age, like toffee and coffee and all those things, like on the out breath, you know, like even now I can still kind of taste it. But it is that mid palate kind of energy that it has. And like I said, it doesn't matter what vintage or how old it is, 
Madeira has this kind of like quality which just is really kind of bright and delicious. And the absolute bliss about it is you, um, I mean, if, you, if, you're, if you're not kind of going through it in two days, yeah. perfectly possible <laughs> with the crowd. Yeah. Um, but you can leave the, the bottle open um, mm. and as opposed to sherry which, uh, or, or even, um, you know, certainly vintage port, which actually will fade quite yeah. fast, this just stays fresh for, yeah. for totally does. Yeah. fresh walnuts picking up not walnuts oh, with this mm. yeah. Mm. yeah I mean it has like a walnut cheese, yeah. cheese. Fantastic. it's one of the array of drinks on my table you know I was saying mm. earlier about the, the, having a number of wines it's yeah. just one of those things you, you try a bit of that try a bit of that you know it's yeah. just beautiful I need yeah. to drink more Madeira I, really yeah. do. I don't yeah. it's one of those those types of, I just don't drink it don't drink it at all and I don't yeah. think it Anyone really does it should yeah, people really should, should be enjoying it. Yes, yeah. oh, well, after you trying that, these guys honestly they are like I said they're so lovely and I, I think you know in the in the wine trade where you get to meet different people some they mm. were just um, we had a tasting actually in March which obviously totally out of context for Madeira but I was like Mad March Madeira why mm. not um, <laughs> but yeah we didn't get many people but Jeff uh, and his wife came he's, down he's part him. of the Madeira industry really isn't yeah, he yeah he was just he's he been just bringing kind of, these, these yeah. sort of single vintage Madeiras into yeah. the UK for, for quite 40 something years, like that a, 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 quite a while and yeah. he has become a real kind of face of Madeira and kind of making it accessible and bringing the things but we tasted Madeiras back to like the I think it was like 1905 or something mm. ridiculous mm. I mean and they've got such uh, Dia Leveras have got such a big kind of catalogue of wines um, but they're also accessible it's, these are wines that are not so out of context that it makes it um, yeah. you know you can all kind of appreciate them I think I suppose in the world of um, ever more sensible drinking Fortified wines struggle, don't they? And they've just fallen away a bit in terms of popularity. But maybe there's a kind of a, a bit of a turn and people are beginning to think, well, maybe we drink less, but we drink better. We drink I think also it's, um, yeah. you know, the end of a really long, heavy meal, you know, and, and a lot of wine. To actually have a fortified wine at the end of a meal is kind of, it's just a bit excessive. Uh, it, you know, it, it does feel like just one drink too much, which is why I think people don't, don't tend to so much. But actually, I think, you know, like, you know, cold, wet afternoon, you know, five o'clock um, after Christmas slice of Christmas cake mm. and a glass of Madeira. I can yeah. imagine that with, with, oh, with, with wood smoke so, up, mm, up the yeah. nostrils. Yeah. Really, just, really yeah, nice. So nice. I think, yeah. you know, just have it like almost as a kind of, um, you know, with a little snack of some kind totally. of like, you know, a bit of cheese and crackers. So and good. Like. And also a Madeira I, moment. A Madeira moment. There we go. We, we call call that. That. <laughs> and I think with this, it almost takes, an, and you probably, but almost takes the place of having like a spirit. You know, the, the kind of yeah. flavours of this are like a really kind of whiskey intense whiskey, like. yeah. yeah. So you could almost drink this in, in kind of the same way. So there's a fire, about, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a fire about it, which yeah. is, is partly acidity and partly the alcohol, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, totally. But I don't know about your house, but no adult in my house has ever made it about 20 minutes past the start of the afternoon film. Before <laughs> so you're allowed to drink this. That's weird. Because... Well, then you can kind of stay awake and you can sleep most of it because that would be asleep. Well, I'll normally finish on a on a on a brandy. So I finish on Villa Prune, which is um, oh, wow. oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah, a, that's yeah. a tradition as well, and I'm, I absolutely absolutely love it. But I probably would skip the Madeira and go straight to. I love that Prune. stuff. Who's do you who's do you drink it? Uh, it's the the one I get from the, the famous one I get from Harris. So it's from um, Henry Harris. Oh, cool. The chef. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Des- describe it for people who are not familiar yeah, with it. it. So it's, it's a plum brandy, yeah. um, and it is for me it's Christmassy, you know, mm-hmm. and it's made I think in the south of France somewhere. But it's yeah. um, it's one of these all these sh- 
almost got a it, well, it has a huge following with chefs, um, and it's on. It's like Eau de Vie, I think. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. You, if you go to um, St John, he'll have it there, and if you go, to, uh, Mitch Tonks has it. It's a sort of it's got this cult following with, with chefs and this particular uh, plum brandy, the Lipperin, um, and I have it every year and you can get it in magnums and you can get it in jeroboams which is just rude. oh that's like <laughs> yeah. is it sort of sweet or is it like proper is it it's like brandy brandy, brandy, yeah. brandy. Yeah. and it's slightly dark for Eau de Vie, isn't it it's quite sort of yeah, uh, sort yeah. Of almost a bit of it looks a bit like that yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Cool. Uh, and that will finish me off that's it <laughs> after that that's it it's lights out then it's just yeah. <laughs> Well, on that note, <laughs> I think we should probably wrap up. Um, lots of uh, new ideas. I think we're all going to be um, getting a bottle of Madeira for our, <laughs> our Christmas mm, celebrations mm, this year. Mm. So um, thank you, Charlie and Ellie, very thank much you for very coming much. along. And, um, thank you. Yeah, happy Christmas. Yeah. Thank happy you, Charlie, Christmas. also for, for hosting us here. It's, it's been a... We're in a just gorgeous library. Do you call it the library? Uh, yes, yeah. yeah I There's think a few is, books behind us. It's a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a very good place to drink Madeira. Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Christmas Day. Fantastic. Yeah. We'll all be over about 7pm on Christmas Day. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> Christmas Eve, You've been listening to the Batonage Christmas Special, in which Fiona Beckett and Liam Stevenson have been speaking to Charlie Stein, Ellie Owen, and myself, David McWilliam. Join them in the new year when Batonage returns to the airwaves. But in the meantime, we hope you enjoy whatever you drink this Christmas. Mm-hmm.